Amen. We are so glad that you are here today. And uh, it's already been really, really good. That In Christ Alone song is just powerful. My favorite line, I think, in the song is, From life's first cry to final breath. Jesus, not cancer, not circumstances, not the world gone crazy. Jesus commands my destiny. Come on, give the Lord a round of applause. That's worth clapping for. It really is. It really is. And I just need to tell you, I said it in first service, I'll say it again. You need to be incredibly grateful for our praise team. Uh, They do this twice every Sunday, and uh, they are good at what they do. They lead us to the throne of grace. It's like saying, to a preacher, it's like saying, you know, seek them to a dog. It just fires me up, gets me ready. And, man, I appreciate our youth. You know, how many preachers get go around and chat and slap hands? And and, and they, you know, Melo said, hey, dude, you didn't shake our hand, man. You didn't do our slap thing. You know, I am so, we're just, are we blessed? We are just blessed. And, and I want you to know something. We're glad you're here. You know, one of my best friends, a uh, guy I know, you know, was at first service and didn't get a chance to say sin. I said, God, you are so good. Another guy that comes on Wednesday nights, Bobby Lee, just a good buddy of mine, was in, and I didn't get to see him last week uh, in the crowd, and he was here, and we're just blessed. I want you to know you're important. Some of y'all are back uh, this week for the first time in a while. You, we are so glad that you're here. Don't ever, don't ever... Don't ever take for granted what God gives us at Dorisville. I'm telling you, we are a blessed group of believers, and we need to make sure God knows that and that we understand how blessed we are. Amen. Well, listen, this is week number three in our series uh, called Four, Four Decades, Four Scriptures, and Four Keystones. Another great scripture. This one popped in my life about probably five years ago, I would suppose. Um, it's from First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 uh, through 18. And it says something like this. Re, you know, Paul writing says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Okay? That's it. And then they says, Oh, and this is the will of God uh, concerning you in Christ Jesus. So it's a great powerful scripture, and it's one of those ones I'm really hoping you'll be able to grasp and get a hold of. Now, to do that, you're going to need to remember some of the things that we talk about today, and there's no better way of doing that than open up that smart device. If you've got version, you go to the bottom corner, hit more, find uh, events, and go to Dorisville Baptist Church, and all the slides and all the scriptures are there, and that will help you in the coming days when, when you or someone says, well, what did Dwayne say, or what did God say, or what did the Word say? Uh, three weeks ago, and you go, well, I've got it right here. I can show you exactly. What was that quote that he said? Oh, it's right here. So I hope you'll do that. I feel a certain urgency in these latter days of my teaching to really help you to keep what we teach, whether it's me or Brent or David or anybody else up here, but to keep what we teach, to put it in a position where you can call on it um, in the future. So I hope that you will certainly do that. Well, today we're talking about willpower. We're talking about willpower. Let me define that for you. I looked it up and let me read it to get it right. Willpower is the ability to control one's own actions, emotions, and urges. Let me read to you again. Okay, the ability to control one's own actions, emotions, and urges. Now, if you've ever been on a diet, you know about willpower. Uh, if you if you ever tried to start an exercise regime, you know about willpower. You know, you, you got that desire, you got that want to, to do it. The want to, to do it. But here's the deal. Along with the willpower, there's something else that needs to happen, and that's some sort of behavioral change. 
Okay? For instance, you may have all the willpower in the world to go on a diet, but as long as you continue to visit the pantry and eat cookies, it's not going to work. You've got to change that behavior. An alcoholic can't get his alcoholism under control unless he stops drinking. It's a behavioral change, and we need that. Well, what if we were to take this word willpower and the one's ability to control those things, what if we were to throw God in the mix? What if all of a sudden it wasn't just our willpower... But it was his will power. The, the power we discover when we begin to live under his will. Uh, what, what happens when all of a sudden that changes to the choice to allow God to direct our actions and emotions and urges? It's a game changer. It's a game changer. But here's the deal. It takes more than knowledge. It takes an application. Mellow. It takes us wanting to do what God wants us to do. It's cool to come to church. It's cool to think, but until we allow the Word of God to change us, it's a whole different deal. So we're going to spend a lot of time today talking. You know, the first week we talked about mercy. That was our keystone. Then we talked about trusting. And Mellow, you missed that. Did they tell you about that? Ask them about next week. What we last week? What we did? And it was supposed to happen to you. Oh, the trust fall. Yeah, the trust fall. It was scary, dude. It was scary. I did not know it was going to go like that. It was crazy. But anyway, last week we talked about trust. And and today we want to talk about doing the will of God, knowing the will of God, living in the will of God. Now, Now, in the big scheme of things, okay, this is a general statement. There are really two broad categories of the will of God. The first is the sovereign will of God. It's the will of God as it acts over mankind, if you will, okay? Now, we see this, a perfect example of this, and you're going to hear about this next week in our sermon, so don't think I'm being redundant because I am, but it's intentional. But, you know, we see this in the garden when Jesus is praying. Remember the night before? Hey, guys, pray with me. And he goes over and he falls down before God. And he knows what's coming. He knows, he knows this is coming. He knows the... The agony, the physical part, he knows the shame, he knows the the fact that he's going to become sin, that we might become righteousness. He knows the Father's going to turn his back on him, and he cries out and says, My God, my God, why have you, you forsaken me? He knows all of that. He knows all of that. So he says to the Father, he says, Father, if there is any way... If there's, this proves it's okay to pray prayers that, that really, you know, won't be answered like you want. You know, Lord, if there's any way this cup can pass, if, if there's any way I don't have to go through this, you know, that would be my desire. They said, but listen, not my will, but thy will be done. And that was the, that's where the sovereign will of God, it was a, the will of God that will not be changed. It will not be changed. And Jesus willfully went through that, even though it meant his own death. Now, I don't know all the sovereign will of God for your life, but I know one thing. I know one thing, and that one thing is God wants you to be saved. You know, the Word of God says, I am not, speaking in His person, I am not willing that any should perish. How many? Any. None. None. I'm not willing that any should perish, but it all should come to redemption, to come to rescue, to come to me, to receive forgiveness. So I can look at you on Facebook, or you can look at me on Facebook, or on the radio, or in this room. You can watch that video a week from now, and the truth does not change. God's sovereign will for man is that man be saved, but they have to have a behavioral change. They have to act on that will. 
They have to act on that will. If you're here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, you know your life's a mess. We may know your life's a mess. And you're going, man, what do I need? You need a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't need religion. You don't need church. You don't need to start and start, uh, stop habits. You need a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you need. And the cool part is God can want nothing more for you. He loves you, and that is his sovereign will for you. But then there's another broad category, and that broad category is what John Piper calls the uh, will of command. And that really impacts us. When we look at the Word of God, there's a lot of commands that God gives us, and He gives us this command to do that, and that command becomes His will for us. And what's really cool, I don't know how you feel about that today, but what's really cool is, you know, the book was not given us to, to bang us up and to restrict us and all that stuff. You know, the Word of God is God's revelation of himself to us, and it's there to help us. It's there to be a roadmap. It's there to be a guidebook for us as we do life. And what we're going to see today in our scripture, what we're going to see today is that will of command. And there, there are many, but we're going to look at one that's very, very um, important today. Let's look at our first teaching point. When it comes to the will of God, uh, sometimes God is silent. In other words, you, you get up in the morning and you're really not sure what God might want you to do. You may be faking, you may be facing a major decision and God's not made it clear what you're supposed to do. You, maybe you're trying to decide what career, maybe you're trying to pick a spouse, uh, you know, whatever it might be. God, what do you want me to do? And there's silence. Well, when God is silent, patiently wait. Patiently wait. That is hard. We are doers. You know, we just want to do, you know, if God, you know, I told, you know, Jeremy's helped me with my hand, this little deal I had last week. And uh, I, I, I missed a part. You know, I went and saw Jeremy. He was so kind. You know, he pulled on my fingers and stuff. Said, okay, nothing's broken. We know nothing's broken. Said, now it's going to take a while. And somewhere I missed it. But in that process of the conversation in his office, he said these words, something similar to this. It'll take about two or three weeks, maybe longer. I missed that somehow. And so by Tuesday, this was on Monday, so by Tuesday, I'm going to wipe my hand better. It was such so, I called him yesterday at home and said, Jeremy, I hope mind you calling you, calling you, but, but my hand's not fixed yet. And he said, well, Dwayne, you've got to ice it and da-da-da-da-da-da. And I said, well, my wife said that I said two or three weeks. Was that true? Did I hear you say that? He said, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, it, it just wasn't going to happen right away. It takes time. Well, sometimes when God has a will, he doesn't reveal to us right away. So we have to patiently wait. We don't want to patiently wait. We want an answer right away. Now, there's an old saying, guys, you may or may not. I don't know if you've heard this or not. You know, when you get older, there's a lot of old people stuff that you don't know. See, that's, I'll never run out of material because I got a lot of old people stuff. Okay. So here's some. Have you ever heard this before, Melo? You know, where someone says, just don't stand there, do something. You heard that before? How cool is that? All right, so yeah, so the young people you got. So yeah, yeah, don't just stand there. Your parents do this. Your, your parents do this. You know, you, you're, you're sitting there, you know, you clean your room or whatever. Well, just don't stand there, do something. Okay, that's kind of the way we are in life. We want you to do something. Well, that works fine in life sometimes. It never works well with God. Here's how we should say when it comes to God. Just don't do something, stand there. See, we want to act. You're, you're single, 
and, and you want to be married, okay? God's silent on it, so hey, just don't stand there, do something, right? No, no, no. Just don't do something. Stand there. Stand there. That's hard. So I got you a help. And the help is this. Dwayne, it's difficult just to stand there. Okay, okay, okay. Do this. Do whatever you last knew was right. Do whatever you last knew was right. In other words, in other words, if, if, if you're facing a decision and God has not given you a clear answer, just keep doing what you've been doing. Go back to the last known right thing God told you to do and camp there for a while. You'll find out it will probably work. It will probably work. I, I was messing with a decision in my life and I told you this morning, oh my gosh, I wrote my own answer. I wrote my own answer. Just do what you knew was right. And then when God speaks, when God finally speaks, you passionately obey. You just do it. When God finally makes it clear, then you passionately embrace it. You openly embrace it. You do it with all your heart. Now, that leads us then into this um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Now, we're going to actually put the caboose before the train. You know, you always have the engine at the front. We're going to go back and grab the caboose, and we're going to put it in front of the train. Now, what we have in 1 Corinthians 5.18, the way it's in your Bible, loosely, is this. You know, Paul says, you know, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you, concerning you, in Christ Jesus. That's the way it reads in the book. Now, here's what I discovered in my study of this scripture is that there's a chunk of theologians who understand that, believe that Paul was not speaking just in gratitude, okay? He wasn't speaking about when he said, this is the will of God concerning you. It wasn't just for gratitude. It was this chunk of three things, this bouquet of three things, you know, to, to be filled with joy, uh, to pray constantly and give gratitude, and those things become the will of God. So we see it up here. So 1 Thessalonians 5.18, for this... Rejoicing for this, praying, and for this, giving thanks, is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Whoa, 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 whoa. So, so this, is that, that's, this is that command to will, will to command. Okay? This is where God says it blatantly out in front of us. Here's my will. Look, look, look. Here's my will for you. Here's my will for you. Okay, Father, what's your will for me? We know this. I'm a Jesus follower. What is my, your will for me? My will for you is that you learn to rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in everything. That's the will of God for you. Now, trust me, these things become game changers. These things become game changers in our lives. Our next teaching point says this. So, when God clearly reveals his will to us. So when he speaks blatantly in his word, it's, you know, he may use, have you ever gone to a pastor after he approached him and said, hey, God will really use you today speaking in my life. That, that's cool. And, or maybe a Sunday school teacher, you go to your Sunday school, your small groups, and the teacher says something that really speaks to your heart. Hey, thank you. You really spoke into my life today. Okay. But chances are most likely and so, most often God speaks to us through his word. Through his word. And when his word, this, this massive book of authority, because it is the word of God, when this massive book of authority speaks clearly, when God speaks clearly, okay, it's not time to pray. It's not time to pray. It's time to obey. It's time to obey. 
it's, there are times, there are a limited amount of times when it's just impro- inappropriate to pray. It is inappropriate to pray when God clearly gives you his will. Why would you do that? When God blatantly tells you what to do, what are you going to pray about? Well, God, should I obey you? Am I going to obey you, God? Should I do this, God? No. In fact, sometimes it might just be a sin to pray. And one of those times is when God blatantly makes it pure. You know, when the Bible is clear, whether it be on your giving, your forgiving, your loving, your, your patience, your kindness, whatever it might be, when God speaks clearly, you just do it. You don't need to pray about it. You don't have to have a committee meeting. You don't have to get your husband or wife's opinion. Hey, guys, you don't have to go to your parents and say, Hey, Mom, Dad, what do you think? Should I do this? You don't need to do that. Because God's already told you. The ultimate authority... Shoot that thing. The ultimate authority in the universe and beyond has spoken and said, Do this. There is no room for debate. There is no room for debate. So he says... To, to do something. Don't need to pray about it. You just need to obey. Tell God this. Hey, students, this is what I'm going to fix to tell you something that's really, really important. And again, this would get your pen out and write this down kind of thing. We have this hanging in our bathroom. Judy puts the strangest things in the strangest places in our house. And this is in our bathroom. Before you ask God, the answer is yes. Before you ask, God, listen, I, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what your, your will to command. I don't know all the answers to that. I don't know what career you want me to get. I don't know what you want me to do, God. I'm not sure of all those things. Hey, God. But here's the deal. Before you ask, whatever the request is, whatever the question is, I am a Jesus follower. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Now, listen, y'all need to get this. This is a game changer. We don't do this well in America. We do not do this well in America. So we need to grasp this. When God clearly reveals His will, it's not time to pray, it's time to obey. Tell God, hey God, before you even ask, the answer is yes. There's a, there's a quote from Billy Graham that's, well, it's not really cute, but it is. It's one of those things that sounds very Billy Grahamish. You know, the will of God, this is, the, this is the benefit of living in the will of God. The will of God will not take us where the grace of God cannot sustain us. It's catchy. It rolls off the tongue nicely. But more importantly, it's true. It's true. Now, listen, again, students, as you're young in your life, you get a hold of this. Don't wait to be old, okay? Get it while you're young, okay? So know for certain that when I know the will of God, when he speaks expressly through his word, um, I have the confident assurance that it will, his will will not take me where the grace of God cannot sustain me. In other words, when I get there, it will be sufficient. Now, you need to know that. That's huge. You know, Mello, you're going to choose a, a wife one day. Lord, you don't want to get the wrong one. You know, there's some guys here who talk to you about getting the wrong one, you know. And there's some wives who tell you about getting the wrong husband, okay. So what do you do? What do you do, guys? What do you do? You seek God's will. I mean, there's something more important than how good he or she looks. Beauty's only skin deep. What's more important, the skin or the heart? 
you got it, baby. The skin of the heart. So it's just really hugely important, okay? And God will give you this. When you live in the will of God, His grace is going to take you where, you know, He'll never take you where He can't sustain you. It's awesome truth. Um, Hudson Taylor, no relation to me that I know of, was the, one of the fathers of modern missions. Um, one of our missionaries named their kids after, after him, Hudson. You know? And so it's just, a, it's just a, a, a mountain in missions. And so he was setting up this story one day, and he said, you know, the, the, God led the children of Israel between one and a half to three million of these people out into the wilderness, into the desert, taking them to the promised land. And so God comes along, remember, 1.5 million to three million, and feeds them every day. That's a lot of, of fish and chips. That's a lot of cheeseburger and fries. Okay? And every day the manna comes. They go out there, and there's the manna. They pick it up, and they eat it. Next day they go back. It's an incredible deal. It was no, it was no deal for God to feed 1.5 to 3 million people. That's the introduction. And then he says this. We do not expect that God will send 3 million missionaries to China. He could, Hudson Teller saying, but we don't expect he's going to do that. But if he did, what is your but if he did? What is in your life that you don't know if God's going to expect? You don't expect God to do it, and then you believe they could if he did. Well, he says, but if he did, he would have ample means. Somebody say ample means. Yeah, see, there's no skimping here. Okay, God don't know shortages. He never runs out of toilet paper on the shelves. Okay, but if he did, or tater tots of all things. Did y'all know that's the latest shortage? Tater tots. But if he did, he would have ample means to sustain how many of them? All of them. All of them. And here's the, here's the famous quote. This is for you and me today. Depend on it. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. That is so stinking good. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. When we live within His will, we live in the abundance of His ability. Shoot, that's good. First service didn't get that one. When we live within the abundance of God's will, then we have the abundance of His abilities on us. It's amazing, and it is totally, totally true. So, so here's our teaching point then that sets us up for these three short teachings in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 16 through 18, all right? It's no accident that God gives us three disciplines to fortify our lives. Now, if you're taking notes, write down the word disciplines. Don't leave that word out or perhaps circle it there somehow in, in, your, in your worship event, okay? There are disciplines, and we're going to talk about those in just a moment. You know, it's no accident that Solomon in Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, A cord of three strands is not easily broken. There is power, there is strength, and a strand of three cords, okay? So write that down and put that down. Now, our next teaching point, again, says this. And it brings up the three uh, points. Joy, prayer, and gratitude. Joy, prayer, and gratitude. Unleashed. Turn loose, let go, and the life of the Christ follower becomes a giant slayer. Listen to me. When we turn loose, joy, prayer, and gratitude in our lives, giants fall. Dragons die. 
Dwayne, I didn't think it would be that simple. It is. It is. These are dragon slayers. These are giant slayers. When David, when David was facing Goliath, he said, Goliath, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. I, I come to you. And when you come against the giants in your life with joy and prayer and gratitude, you are coming in the name of the Lord your God. Game over. Amen. Game over. Your 2020 becomes manageable. Your 2021 becomes manageable. Your illness becomes manageable. Your, your hurts in your life becomes manageable because you're trusting God and you bring in joy and you bring in this constant prayer and this thing called gratitude. It's hugely, hugely um, important. Now, our first one this morning is, is 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Thessalonians 5, 16. And these are all so short. That's what's crazy about it. You can actually memorize this. You, know, you can actually memorize this. So the first one is rejoice always. Rejoice always. You know, have joy always. Okay? Now, it's really cool because the guy who wrote this also wrote Philippians. And he wrote Philippians and house arrest. And he did not know, A, was Satan, or was Satan, it seemed like Satan, was Caesar going to release him? Or were Caesar going to behead him? He didn't know. So waiting with that, with that decision in the balance, okay, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. How could he do that? Rejoice always. So you might be wondering, last Saturday night when I was clumsy um, and fell and fell hard, and, and I'm laying there on my side, you know, again, feeling like the woman, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. It's just how I felt, you know. And I'm looking, I'm looking at my hand and I can't move my fingers, okay. And this is Saturday night before I'm supposed to preach on Sunday, okay. I'm sitting there and you, I, you know, Dwayne, did you have the, ho, 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 isn't this wonderful? I've fallen, I just can't believe it. I just, I've just got the joy goosebumps all over me. No, and that's not what the scripture means. No, and that's not what the scripture means. You're not supposed to have the ho-ho jollies when the doctor said you've got terminal cancer or your marriage has fallen apart or your kids are sick or your parents are not being cool. It's hard to have the ho-ho jollies then, but that's not what Paul is saying. Um, Several years ago now, I've taught this over and over again. And as long as you let me be your pastor, I'm going to continue teaching this. We'll bring it up occasionally. And God, I want to say God gave me a, a definition of biblical joy. Uh, a little piece of it came off of a web page, but then the chunk of it God gave to my heart. And I've never, never forgotten it. So when we rejoice always, what does it mean? Well, it means biblical joy. And Dwayne, what is biblical joy? Well, biblical joy is a deep sense of well-being based on our faith in God and trust in the song will. Now, if you in the past have not written that down, it is in the worship event as a slide, okay? But biblical joy is this, this deep sense of it's okay. This deep sense of he's got it. This deep sense of well-being, not based, not based on circumstance, not based on what's going on on the national or international news or national news. 
is not based on what the stock market is doing this week. It's based on our faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. So, so when Paul said... Do you, there's no other explanation, by the way, in case you're wondering, why Paul, facing Caesar to either have his head lobbed off or live, they weren't sure which way it was going to go. There's no other explanation why he could say, Rejoice in the Lord always, and God yeah, said, Rejoice. This is it, right here. And this is the answer for you. Whether it's your 2020, your 2021, whether you don't like the, the culture, whether you're upset, and boy, we are all just, just angry almost over Ukraine. Biblical joy is a deep sense of well-being based on our faith in God and trust in a sovereign will. You know, there are, there are parts of the Bible that just doesn't make sense. And what James wrote in James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 is one of those. If, you, if your definition of joy is the ha, ha, ho, ho, if all of a sudden, consider it great joy, ha, ha, ho, ho, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, that doesn't make sense. But what if all of a sudden it says something like this? Hey, brothers and sisters, when you you come to these great trials, trust your faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. Hey, hey, friends, when 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 you come into these trials and tribulations... Have a, deep, have a deep sense of well-being. When you come into these trials, have a deep sense of well-being based on your trust in God and faith in His sovereign will. Faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. That changes things, doesn't it? All of a sudden, that makes sense. I can't have joy just because trials. But if I add in my faith in God and trust in His sovereign will, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then you know that the test of your faith produces endurance. So this is, this is just a huge, huge thing. You know, there's another one of those cute quotes. Um, you know, it says, Joy is the happiness that doesn't depend on what happens. It depends on God. I like that. Joy is the happiness that doesn't depend on what happens. See, that was the problem we, we were letting what was happening dictate our hearts. We were wrapped up in fear and anger, all kind of division, okay, because we let that dictate our heart. Okay, no, no. Joy is happiness that doesn't depend on what happens. It depends totally on God. All right, number two, respiratory prayer. Huh? Yeah, respiratory prayer. You know, Paul says pray constantly. Pray constantly. And it literally means that. It means to be in a constant state of prayer. Now, the problem is, is that we have a hard time envisioning that. Because, you know, we do the, what, what David said with the king thing. We've not lived in, in the authority, under the authority of a king. So we can't imagine what it's like to live under the authority of a king. Okay, like those that in the United Kingdom do. Okay. But, but here, here our, our traditions kind of dictate our prayer life. We must, we must not let our traditions restrict our prayer. Yes, you can pray with eyes wide open. Yes, you do not have to be on your knees to pray. You can pray while you're driving. You can pray while you're walking. You can pray constantly. Now, now prayer, our teaching point, prayer is the breath 
of the Christian faith. Yeah, right. Yeah, write that one down. Prayer is the breath of the Christian faith. Um, it is as necessary as oxygen and as natural as breathing. And it is. It is. Prayer is essential to your life. Now, what you're thinking is, I don't have time to get on my knees somewhere and pray. You don't need to do that. Prayer is as natural as breathing. Okay? It's as necessary as oxygen. I've got this candle I burn all the time in my office at home. Um, it's one of the ones that crinkle and crackle. I kind of like that. And I light it, and I got in the habit. I have an extra lid there, and I put that lid on top of the candle, and I sit there just for a second and watch, and it burns perfectly for about two seconds, and then gets dim, 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 and goes out. You know why it does? It uses all the oxygen. You know why we get dim, dim, dim spiritually? We use up all the oxygen. Pray constantly. It's as necessary as oxygen, as natural as breathing. God is not impressed with your big words. He simply wants your heart. He simply wants your heart. Don't. It's counterintuitive to hyperventilate. I never forget my mom was, my dad had died and we were on the back porch and mom was just hyperventilating. They say, blow in the bag, blow in the bag, trying to control the breathing. If you're full of fear and you pray, don't hyperventilate. Relax. You're in the hands and the presence of Almighty God. Don't self-regulate. I don't, I don't wake up in the morning and go, breathe, breathe, breathe. I let it happen naturally. Let your prayer life happen naturally. It's as necessary as oxygen, as natural as breathing. Um, I've got someone to read to you. I had this in, I think, early this morning. And um, there, I got about 30 copies on the welcome desk because some of you are going to want this, okay? Um, it came in an email, and it's from the Journey Bible, the Journey Bible, NIV version. And uh, just give me about one second, one minute to read it, okay? You will face deep anguish in your life. Everyone does. When that happens... You can do what Jesus did. Pray. Pray hard. Pray deep. Pray honestly. Pray out all your emotions and feelings. Pray until you sweat and cry and fall down in exhaustion. Pray with others. Pray alone. Pray as long as it takes and then pray longer. Pray because nothing else works and keep praying when it doesn't seem to work. Pray because Jesus prayed. Pray pray because you want to pray. Pray because you don't want to pray. Pray out loud. Pray quietly. Pray whenever you think about it. Pray instead of just thinking about it. Pray when you walk and when you drive and when you wake up. And when you go to sleep, pray before you forget. Pray right now. Isn't that good? That shows the essentiality of prayer. Again, there's about 30 copies available on the desk out there in the Welcome Center. So prayer is so important for us to do. Now, a great quote by John Piper. I found this and I actually got excited. 
Again, make sure you've got the, the worship event or again, you get a copy of this. Um, prayer, there are three things here. You, you'll see them. Prayer is the open admission that without Christ, we can do nothing. Isn't that powerful? When we pray, we're telling God, God, without you, we can't do anything. Wow. Number two, prayer is the turning away from ourselves to God and the confidence that he will provide the help we need. Prayer is the turning away from ourselves and the confidence that knowing that he will provide what we need. And the last one's the one that got me. This is what got me. Prayer humbles us as needy and exalts God as wealthy. Somebody say amen. That's really, that's really, really good. Prayer reminds us just how needy we are, but also exalts God as wealthy. And he is. And he is. Well, our third discipline is this. is 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, the first part. You know, talks about gratitude. Give thanks in everything. You know, God doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste suffering. He doesn't waste blessings. So we can give thanks in everything. We need to learn to do this. We, we need to, listen, you know, if you read Grits with Grace, um, our daily blog thing, you know, I close every day with, yes, you know, he's got this. But, but one of my favorite things to write about is, is the love notes of God. I'm learning, I'm learning to look around. You know, I didn't want this to happen. Okay? I mean, it really hurt. I want you to know that. I didn't want this to happen. But even as I was laying there, you know, so I can't even mention this last week. Somebody said, did you lose your religion? No. In fact, for once, I almost, I think I got it right. Because I wasn't sitting there going, God, why did you allow this? Don't you know it's Saturday? I have to preach tomorrow. I've got studying to do. ain't got time for this. No. One time I think I got it right because I'm looking at my hand and I'm going, God, thank you, it's not my left hand because I'm left-handed. I mean, it could have been my left hand. God, thank you that I'm 68 years old. Still, well, I've got a little padding, but I still bounce well. I could have broke a hip, could have broken an arm, could have broken a shoulder. See, we could sit there and tell God why he messed up or tell God how he got it right. How he got it right. And that is so true in our culture today. Quit telling God how he's doing it wrong and bless him for getting it right. It's huge. It's huge. So our teaching point says this. Gratitude is the key that unlocks the fullness of life. You know, can I just tell you something? I wrote this. And I believe it. I want you to know that. As your pastor, I believe what I'm fixing. I wrote and I'm fixing to read. Gratitude is the key that unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what we have into enough. In other words, we become content. When we're filled with gratitude, we're content. A simple meal becomes a feast. All of a sudden, fish sticks and tater tots sound really great. If you can find the tater tots. A house into a home. It may not be the biggest house 
in the rightest neighborhood. But a house becomes a home. And every day, every day, a gift from God. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We shall rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. Give. Yeah, it is amen. Give thanks in everything. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I, I, I quote all these people. I know you probably don't even know who these guys are. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer was alive during the Nazi regime and was actually shot by a firing squad under, under Hitler's orders. Um, a great pastor in Germany. And he said this. You know, he said, you know, how can God entrust great things to one who will not thankfully receive from him small things? I just got a stinking suspicion. If we learn to thank God for the small things, maybe he would entrust us with some bigger things. That's what Bonhoeffer said anyway. All right, scripture and a bow. Scripture says, Psalm 106, 1. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. He not only does good, he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And here's the bow. The bow is this. Combine the faith found in joy. Biblical joy is a deep sense of well-being based on our faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. Combine the faith found in joy, the power found in prayer. It's, it's as necessary as oxygen and as natural as breathing. And the contentment found in gratitude. I become satisfied. In Christ alone, you have the key to the abundant Christian life. I believe that, folks. I believe this might be, as simple as it sounds, it might be exactly what you've been looking for. You've discovered Christ. You you discovered the Christ of, of the cross, and you understood that you need to turn from your sins, and you turn from your sins, and you trusted Him. But as you've done life, you've just kind of bumped into walls. Tripped, fallen, giants crept up, dragons appeared out of nowhere. And we find in joy, prayer, and gratitude, the dragon slayers, the giant slayers, and the abundant Christian life. Would you bow your heads, please? Boy, God is good, folks. He is good. And students, I want you to hear that. So nail it down in your life at a young age, just how good God is. The more you understand how good God is, you'll know you'll never walk away from Him. You just couldn't do it without Him. He's essential. He's necessary. So if you're here today, you heard about the cross and you you heard about forgiveness of sin, how much God loves you. His will for your life is that you come to faith in Jesus Christ to have eternal life. My friend Brent's going to be standing down front And he'd be glad to share with you about that. We've been blessed to have several people make decisions over the last few weeks. And maybe today's the day when you want to make that decision. The altar is open for prayer. Maybe there's something you're banging around in your life. Keep bumping into walls over. Maybe you need to be more joyful. A deeper faith and trust in God. Maybe you need to pray more. Maybe you say, I don't have time to pray. Did you know you can pray all day? Whisper prayers. Father, bless that person. Father, help me today. Help me in this. He hears those prayers. 
and, and be grateful. Give thanks and everything. Maybe bring that to the altar and say, say, God, these three, these three, I see as giant slayers and dragon killers. And I want that in my life. God, thank you very much for the privilege of sharing these truths today. You are a good God. And I want to thank you for every person. David prayed it already, that no one here by accident is by your divine providence. Thank you for every person that was here. And may they take away a piece of the feast of the word of God. Hmm. May they take a piece of the feast home into their hearts on the word of God. This is your time, Father, and we give it to you. And I pray it, Jesus, in your name.